Welcome to SU Podcast in association with the Talbot Hotel in Carlo. Join us every week for deep dives into various topics featuring guests from all walks of life. Sit back, relax and happy listening. Hello and welcome to SU Podcast, Shift Week Takeover Edition, here on the ITCSU Broadcasting Network in association with the Talbot Hotel Carlo. My name is Alex and I'm your Vice President for Welfare and Equality. We hope you guys are staying safe and sexy during these strange times and if you need any sexual health related advice, don't forget to drop me an email on suwelfare at itcarlo.ie. Today we're going to talk about one of the biggest sexual stigmas around, porn. We're delighted to be joined by sexpert, podcaster and evoke.ie columnist Caroline West who will be debunking porn myths, answering all those hard to ask questions and providing you with some real facts on sex and how this is translated into porn. Hello and welcome along to this podcast looking at the issue of porn literacy. My name is Dr Caroline West and I am the host of the Glow West podcast which looks at sex, sexuality and the body. I'm also the sex expert for The Elaine Show on Virgin Media and I have a sex column in Vogue.ie and I also have a PhD in porn so don't worry there's no shame or stigma this is going to be just a really fun chat about the realities of porn and I'll also be here to answer some of your questions coming in so there's some very interesting ones sent in so far so I'm delighted to see that and again if you have any questions you know uh, that I won't get time to cover on this short podcast you can drop me a line. I'm on Twitter. It's Glow West Podcast or else it's Caroline West underscore IE. And over on Instagram, it's Dr. Caroline West or Glow West Podcast. So let's get started. We're going to have a look at the idea of what porn literacy actually is. So porn literacy is really a framework from which young people can critically examine and make sense of the sexual images that we see. So porn literacy doesn't mean we're going to bring in a load of porn into your classroom and show it to you and then ask you what you think of it. Porn literacy basically means that we accept that you're going to watch porn and there's no shame or stigma or moral judgment attached to that. It's just more of a recognition of this is what you're doing. How can we make sure that you're looking at this safely or you're not taking messages on that maybe might be confusing or conflicting? And it's really a way of making sense of what the reality of porn is and what the reality of sex is outside of porn. Because while porn depicts sex and we don't often see sex depicted in any other forms of media in, a, in the same way that it's depicted in porn, it's not necessarily a very realistic depiction of what sex is. So porn literacy really aims to, I suppose, give you the skills to take little bits from porn, but not to blindly believe that what you're seeing is real and have a look at what the studies around porn say as well. So if you think of, you know, when you're learning to drive, you get taught, you know, here's where the gear stick is, here's where the steering wheel is. And you're taught, you're taught by an instructor who isn't there to shame you or tell you to drive faster or, you know, you know, in a very harsh kind of way. It's someone who's compassionate and tells you this is how we actually learn to drive. You don't learn to drive by watching The Fast and the Furious or watching uh, playing Grand Theft Auto because they're not really realistic depictions of how the everyday person drives a car or the kind of car they have or 
how they acquire that car. So again, porn is like that as well. So porn is not really a real life representation of the way that the average person has sex. But the only problem is most people don't tell us that, you know, because we have really bad sex education sometimes. So we don't get to ask a lot of the questions that we'd like to ask when it comes to, uh, you know, sex and what I suppose real life sex actually is, you know, as opposed to the very spectacular sex I suppose that we see um in porn so you know I'm not going to come at this from any kind of judgment perspective I'm not going to tell you to watch porn I'm not going to tell you not to watch porn I'm not going to judge any aspect of your sex life or the kind of porn that you watch but I'm just going to ask you to maybe consider having a look at the images that you're seeing and what they mean to you and how you're taking the lessons and what you see in porn into your everyday life as well So let's do a little bit of myth busting when it comes to porn, because I think it can be kind of confusing when we're watching it and we don't have anyone to bounce, you know, our questions off. So first of all, it's the idea that porn performers aren't consenting to porn and they don't really know what they're getting into or that they may be um, abused. And of course, like every industry, there's abuse in absolutely every industry. So the porn industry is no different. But porn performers, when they come to set, they're told beforehand by their agents, you know, they've already agreed to what particular acts they will be doing, what the content is that they're, they're filming. And they get a checklist and they say, I'm absolutely not going to do this or I will do this, but you have to pay me a certain amount of money. Um, and that that is a form of consent as well, because they know what they're getting into and, and they're exchanging their labor in exchange for money. So the fact that porn performers, you know, they go through such a very rigorous, you know, you know, off screen um, consent process that we don't see that on screen. We just see people turning up and, and having sex. So, you know, it really we're having a lot of conversations in Ireland at the moment about what consent really is and how we enact sexual consent and Porn really isn't a great, um, I suppose, representative of how consent actually takes place because a lot of the the content either doesn't feature any verbal dialogue or else you have the sound off and you're not listening to that part of it or you fast forwarded through um, the before sex scenes, which is fine. But again, you know, that, that in-depth conversation about, okay, I will agree to do this if you agree to do xyz or if you pay me you know xyz or they will agree to be filmed in a certain way only all that is done off screen so you know the reality when it comes to everyday sex we don't sit outside a bedroom and draw up a checklist and say okay we have to have sex in this particular way or you know I'll have I'll have sex if you do this so consent is very fluid when it comes to real life sex you know we can be in the middle of doing something that we had previously consented to and then we might decide you know actually I don't want to do this anymore so then we speak up and we say okay um, I'm not interested in this or if the person that you're with you know, seems to have changed if they, you know, seem to be a little bit more withdrawn or they've stopped communicating or they seem to have spaced out that the onus is then on you to stop what you're doing and check in with them. And they may have decided to withdraw consent and not have been able to verbalize that. So we need to have be aware that, you know, consent is is ongoing and it's a freely giving, mutually given 
and it isn't just a, a once-off and done thing. So again, you'll have conversations about sexual consent and other workshops on campus this year, which is amazing. So I urge you to go along to those. And again, you can send in more questions on consent um, as part of your questions on this. So again, they'll get that extensive checklist, which we don't have. The performers will also have a no list of performers that they won't work with. So they will, you know, and the performer doesn't necessarily need to know that they're on such lists. So what they will say to their agent, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to work with this person, you know, make sure that they're blacklisted and I'm never going to, you know, work with those. So again, it, you know, it, it's not just you randomly turn up and you have sex with, with, with some random person. Now, again, there are abuses obviously in the industry, like any industry, but on the whole, that this is what the professionals work like. The other porn myth is that porn performers have lots of STIs. Now, the really sad fact about this is there hasn't been an onset transmission of HIV in the mainstream straight American porn industry that's based mostly out of LA um, for about 10 years. Ireland, on the other hand, has about one infection or diagnosis every 18 hours. So Ireland, for such a tiny little country, has a higher rate of STI transmission than the American mainstream porn industry does. So that really says something about, you know, the performers are having sex on screen, often without condoms, but of course, um, you know, they're tested every 14 days for STIs. And, you know, because they're tested so frequently, if they do have any STIs, they're picked up pretty quickly and they're not spread around because then they stop working for the amount of time it takes to get the antibiotics into their system. So some infections such as gonorrhea, you know, they, they are there. It's not to say that they're not, but something like HIV has not been as prevalent in the industry. So that really says something about, okay, these people are having sex for a living and they're not catching HIV, but yeah, Ireland is. So we need to have conversations about how we look at safe sex here. And are we testing ourselves? Are we having an STI test every time we have a new sexual partner? Are we asking people about their sexual history in a way, you know, and there's no judgment, there's no shame. It's not about numbers, you know, it's not judging people for having you know, a hundred sexual partners or five sexual partners. It's just asking like, have they been safe? Like what kind of sex do they engage in? Do they have a lot of sex that is considered to be risky or not using a condom? And then that way you can make that judgment for yourself if you feel like that this is a safe situation to get into. So we need to be a lot better about, you know, going for those tests. They're very quick tests. You know, they're not really painful. They might be like a tiny moment of discomfort and they're done in very supportive environment so you know and it's it's really important to maintain that level of sexual health so if you're having sex you need to look after your sexual health as well so another porn myth is the idea that all women this is in the, again in the mainstream kind of hetero porn absolutely love anal sex and that you can go seamlessly from vaginal sex into anal sex and then possibly back into vaginal sex again and this is really, really common at the moment. And, you know, you will see male performers slip seamlessly from one orifice to the other and then also go from anal sex to oral sex again. 
So this is again really, really different. And this is something that you see in porn that isn't necessarily enacted like that in reality. So in porn, the women who are booked to do anal sex, they know in advance that this is what they're going to be doing. They've probably prepared for a couple of days sometimes, or at least a couple of hours. You know, they'll limit what kind of foods that they eat. They will use douches to kind of clean themselves out a lot more because you know where you're going, you know what your anus does, you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes out of it. And you don't necessarily want to see that on screen. So one of the women I interviewed says she takes lots of Imodium for a couple of days. And then so she gets, you know, she doesn't have any feces to expel. But she says the side effect of that is her hair falls out and then she gets really ill for a couple of days afterwards. But again, you don't see any of that on screen because you only see you know, the, the on-screen action, so to speak. You also don't see the performers stopping and inserting so much lube. Like, it's lube, 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 lube all the time for anal sex. So the camera will pull away quite a lot. There, there will be breaks in the action. It won't necessarily be absolutely, you know, a seamless transition between vaginal sex and anal sex. The camera will stop. They'll have a break. They might go to the bathroom. They'll insert a whole ton of lube up into their anus and then they'll have stretched out their anus as well. So we often see in porn like a penis or a toy or, you know, whatever it is going straight in into the anus. And that actually doesn't work like that in reality. So in reality, they'll take time off screen and they will stretch their anus. You know, they might wear you know a butt plug or a toy for a little while they'll bring in fingers you know that they, they'll stretch themselves so that they're ready to go for on the on-screen moment as well we of course you don't see all that so in real life you know if you try to go absolutely straight into anal sex all you're going to do is cause vag- um, anal tears which run the risk of getting infected and leaving you in hospital and that's not really what you want to do with your spare time or it could just be downright uncomfortable really really painful and you know it, it's just not a pleasant experience so anal sex is something that needs to be built up to so you need to take your time if you're using fingers or tongues whatever it is you're, you're going really slow lube 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 that should be my life slogan is get some lube um and you, well, you want to make sure it's by safe lube so that there's no glycerin in it especially for vaginal sex because that can cause um thrush and yeast infections so you want to lube everything up like put a towel down because it will most likely also get messy because in real life there is poo involved in anal sex so you have to be prepared for whatever is going in may come out with some additional substances on it and that's you know what you're getting yourself in for it's anal sex so again time is really really of the essence taking it really slow anything that's going to go quick into the ass is essentially going to cause pain and possibly actual physical injuries which may take a while to heal from because of the location that it's in so you don't want to be causing harm to your partner it's also what we see important is that seamless transition as well between different orifices orifices without consent so obviously there are a lot of people who aren't into anal sex it's just not their thing for absolutely whatever reasons that are valid to them so you can't assume that just because someone has consented to vaginal sex with you that they're also going to consent to anal sex with you they may consent to it in certain occasions or if they maybe feel that they're in the mood to it or they may never consent to it and that's absolutely fine the key thing there is to ask so anything 
that you know that you see in porn that goes seamlessly from from one penetration scene to the next is all planned out in advance it's all consented to and you need to remember that in your day-to-day life as well what we also see a lot, uh, you know, that we mentioned earlier is that movement back from anal sex back into vaginal sex and then sometimes maybe back and forth between the two or- orifices for a while. That's absolutely really unhealthy to do. So this is the problem when bacteria from your anus, you know, with the with feces moving through your anus, if that if they go into your vagina, you have a huge risk of getting some sort of bacterial infection which so you can lead to bv it can lead to thrush it can lead to yeast infections um and nobody wants to experience all those things as well so after anal sex whatever implement has been in there really needs to be cleaned very 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 thoroughly and this goes as well for um going into the mouth so this is what's known in porn as asked mouth or, or atm don't get those two mixed up if you're talking about bank machines so that practice, again, it's extremely divisive in real life. It absolutely is not palatable to quite a lot of people. So again, if, if you're pulling out, out, out of an anus and you're attempting to go straight into someone's mouth, the absolute key thing to do is ask and not be offended if they say no. Because again, that bacteria from the anus going straight into the mouth can lead to a lot of issues as well. If you practice good hygiene, you know, if, if you're cleaning out for hours and hours and hours, that's maybe slightly different and can mitigate the risks somewhat, but it's absolutely not a risk-free activity and it, it's not a very commonly enjoyed activity for a lot of people. So we have to be very careful about that aspect. So when it comes to things like anal sex, you know, if you remember the four C's, so that is consent, communication, comfort, and cleanliness. So get your towels ready, get your lube ready, get your communication skills ready and ask consent first always because that's always really, really important. And your anal sex friends are your fingers, lube, towels and time because it can take a long, long time for a lot of people. So our next porn myth that we're going to bust is the idea of foreplay not being needed. So you can you know, a lot of the porn tropes we see is when, you know, again, this is very hetero mainstream porn. Um, the woman is there, the man comes in, she gives him a blowjob and he just then picks her up and usually just inserts her pe- his penis into her and, and away we go and everyone's happy. Now, real life sex is not really like that and foreplay is very much appreciated and needed for a lot of people to really get ready you know it takes a little time to get some vaginal lubrication going and otherwise like you know if if you're going in dry it's a very comfortable experience for a lot of people but foreplay is also kind of a misleading word because foreplay assumes that that's before sex and the penetration is sex and sex is so much more than just penetration by itself or you know by a penis or by a toy you know it's not like the oral sex has to stop once once the penetration has started or the kissing has to stop or the groping of whatever body part has to stop. So it's an ongoing process and you might switch from, you know, penetration back to another activity, back to penetration, back to another activity. So there's no rule to say this is how sex goes and we have oral sex and then we have vaginal sex and we have anal sex and then we have ejaculation because that's how a lot of porn operates. You know, that's very standardized and that's not really how real life sex goes for a lot of people and it's probably how a lot of real life sex should not go because it's not very satisfying for a lot of people um 
it is rare to see in a lot of porn oral sex performed on people with vulvas and that's really important because it's a very pleasurable activity for a lot of people and needed to help get people in the mood as well. So you will often see if it is even depicted in porn this furious tongue wagging and um, flicking the tongue really really fast over a clitoris and the woman being in absolute ecstasy at that at this tiny little you know 30 seconds of oral sex and she's absolutely happy <laughs> so we know in real life that that is not actually the case and for um oral sex can take you know as long as it takes you can have 40 minutes of oral sex and you still might not be in the mood and that's also okay but it's not the case that whereas you know if you're giving oral sex to someone with a penis and then they're ready for penetration that doesn't mean that you're ready for penetration but this is what we see in porn as well so it's it's suppose it's more about redefining what we think sex actually is and penetration isn't the be all and end all of sex and it you know in a lot of porn as well you will often see just when the guy ejaculates then the woman is delighted with that and she's very happy and it's like well what about horror orgasm as well you know it's like she needs to have some fun too and sex that you know doesn't have orgasms is absolutely fine as well but if that's what you're wanting and your pleasure is being left out of it that's not good sex so again communication around that and redefining what we think good sex actually is as well because that really paints a lot of women as being very passive and, and just essentially being glorified masturbation tools that for a man to use and you know he ejaculates and it's fine it's like yeah pleasure should be a mutual experience for absolutely everybody so yeah redefining the foreplay and you know foreplay in porn sometimes it doesn't include loads of things like toys so we can bring in sex toys we can bring in a lot more fingers a lot, lot more tongues Lots of whatever body parts you're into, feet, hands, whatever it is, that's fine. But bringing all that in and and thinking, okay, like this is all pleasure and it's all fine. And sex can go on for as short or as long as you want to make it. You know, sometimes again in porn, you know, porn is designed to, you know, be material that you're using to get you off. And then the average person watching porn is not going to watch it for hours and hours. They're probably going to watch it for about three to five minutes max. So a lot of people would like to have a longer sexual experience than that. And again, remember that that porn has been edited and, you know, all the more important parts of sex have been really taken out because it's all about the spectacle of porn as well. So again, a lot of women don't even masturbate necessarily from, or don't even um, orgasm, sorry, from penetrative sex. So foreplay and paying attention to the clitoris is key. So there are lots of different types of orgasms. Um, Those of female bodies may have up to nine different orgasms. So again, exploring all that is really important. The next big thing, if we're speaking about orgasms, is the idea of female ejaculation which we see a lot of in porn at the moment. It's also known as squirting. So it's a massive trend um, at the moment with Adriana Chekik, um being like the queen of squirting. So that's kind of a fun title to have in your life. So it is real. It, it is absolutely real. But the issue is in a lot of times in porn, it's not real because it's generally water that is douched into the vagina and squeezed out on command. So there's a lot of fakery important because sometimes again you don't have time to wait around for it to happen or someone might not be physically able to do it but they know that there's a market for it so they will engage in these techniques to try and you know expand their their 
customer base I suppose and um, skill base so again in real life it does happen there's different techniques to it you can look it up I would advise not to try and copy porn because they're missing a few steps like we've already said um, so you you really want to kind of look up maybe more tantra side of things or instructional videos um, it can be a tiny trickle for some people it can be an absolute gushing waterfall for others so it's really important to have a few towels down as well some people don't like it because it can be messy or the fact that it smells a little bit like pee so it's not pee let's put that to rest there's a lot of argument over that it just comes from the same area so it has some of the same chemicals as pee does so it's you're not peeing so that's fine you will have a sense of feeling like you're about to pee but it's fine. That's fine. So you can, you know, if you know that that's what happens to you, you can go to the bathroom before sexual activity. But again, keep drinking some water so that you're actually hydrated because, again, you can get very dehydrated from losing that much fluid. So it's not something that everyone wants to do. It's not something that has to be a part of porn. Um, again, it's very, you know, filmed for the spectacle of it because it's quite, you know, if someone's gushing out mountains of liquid, it is quite um, a spectacle. So that's how we see it in porn. But again, not mandatory for absolutely everyone. And then we're running out of time a little bit and I'm going to get to answering your questions shortly after the break. But my last porn myth, I suppose, is the same that either genitals are all the same in porn or else they're absolutely massive for some people. So for those with female genitalia or, you know, people with vulvas, they can have a very neat kind of look. And, you know, it's called kind of like the playboy look, which is where the all the labia are very you know tucked in they're very small and this is actually not the case because labia and vulvas come in all different sizes shapes colors absolutely everything they can be affected by childbirth or aging or all these different things or race as well you know we see a lot of very very pink depictions of um vulvas and they come in really all sorts of different shapes and colors so we need to remember that and porn is quite bad at showing that diversity that's there so a lot of people maybe might feel shame or you know at the, the presentations of their genitals and that's absolutely not the case you know they come in all different sorts it's just a lot of mainstream porn doesn't represent everything so well and then for men as well you know like the idea of you know these gigantic penises that are in porn that are like 10 inches long that's not the case the average penis size in the UK and Ireland is about five inches so that's more reflective again everything is exaggerated in porn so penis size is the same thing so I'm going to finish up there I'm going to come back after the break and answer answer some of the questions that you have sent in and again if you need to contact me on my social media please drop me a line and I'm happy to answer your questions see you in a minute okay we're going to take a small break I hope you guys have learned something we'd just like to take this time to thank our sponsors and hear from a few of them coming back for part two where we have a Q&A session with Caroline Apache Pizza Carlo is delighted to be in association with IT Carlo's students union we are open from 1 to 11 7 days a week Call in or have us deliver. Make your online classes that bit easier with our student deal. A delicious 9-inch pizza, chips and a drink from only $4.99. You can find us in the heart of Carlow Town, straight across from the fountain. You can also order from us from on our app or website, www.apache.ie. Apache Pizza, happy days. Carlow Cubs are excited to announce Carlow's very own taxi app. Just three taps and we're there. There is no journey too short or too long for Carlo's largest and most reliable cab service. 
You can find us by looking for the T on the back, calling 059-914000 or by downloading our app from the App Store. We guarantee a service that's fast, safe and reliable 24-7. Carlo Cabs, we're ready when you are. We asked Carlo IT students where is the best place to have the crack after college. Here's what they have to say. Oh, we love going down to Toys because the student deals are amazing. Well, honestly, I spend 90% of my time in Tully's. Yeah, man, I mean, Tully's is really the spot. Me and my boys always go there after school. Well, there you have it. Get on down to Tully's Tully Street, Carlo. Why not come down and try our great student meal deals? Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Tully's, Carlo's number one spot for students. My name is Emma and I'm Sales and Marketing Manager for the Talbot Hotel in Carlow. We are delighted to announce that we have partnered with IT Carlow Student Union this year to offer students a rate of €45 Euro for one room night or €85 Euro for two room nights. The deal is available to all students needing accommodation over the academic year 2020-2021. It is valid with a student ID card and then to book it you simply phone 059-915-3000 or email us on reservations at talbothotelcarlow.ie. Hello everyone, Sean Swan, Swan's Electrical Expert Carlo here, as Carlo's largest electrical store would likely be associated with IT Carlo Students Union. We stock the full range of Apple products including phones, plus a range of Samsung tablets, watches and phones. Not to forget all your Fitbit and tracking devices, JBL speakers and headphones, laptops, PCs, gaming products and monitors at really good prices. Televisions have to be seen to be believed. So for all your electrical requirements, call to Swan's Electrical Superstore Strawhall Carlo and we look forward to seeing you. Welcome back everybody. We'll pass you straight over to the lovely Caroline for more fun facts. Hello and welcome back to the Porn Literacy Podcast. So I'm going to answer some of your questions this time in the second part of the section. If I don't get to your question again, please free, f- feel free to reach out to me on social media and I can answer your question then. On Instagram and Twitter, it's Glow West Podcast or my personal one, which is Caroline West underscore IE. Or your question might be answered on one of the episodes of the podcast as well. So let's dive in. No pun intended. So let's have a look at some of your questions. One is, is it acceptable to watch porn with your partner? Yes, if that's what you're both into, absolutely. The problem that arises with that is if your partner doesn't want to watch porn and you're either putting pressure on them or nagging them or, you know, kind of coercing them in any kind of way. So there's a lot of people who will like very different kinds of porn and some mainstream porn might appear too violent or aggressive, which a lot of it is, and your partner might not want to watch that. But they may want to watch different kind of porn. So there's feminist porn, there's queer porn, there's OnlyFans. There's so many different kinds of porn now. So it's kind of important to think if you're saying to your partner, do you want to watch porn? And your partner has an idea of, oh, you want to watch really violent graphic porn when maybe that's not what they're actually suggesting. So again, it's about communication. And explaining like this is the kind of content that I like to watch. What do you want to watch? And that actually is a really good way to bring you closer as well and to see what you're actually both into. So if you're both saying, hey, I really like porn that features X, Y, Z. And then if you both like that, well, then, yeah, you can absolutely watch it. You can get some ideas. You can you can try things out. But again, with the recognition that what you're seeing on screen isn't necessarily how it's going to go in reality for all the reasons that we've discussed there. So it can be a thing that can bring you a little 
little bit closer together if it's done right and again it's okay not to want to watch porn with someone not everyone watches porn not everyone wants to look at that kind of content and that's absolutely okay as well let's have a look at another one does watching too much porn cause less interest in real sex this is kind of a a big question I suppose because there's there's really weird conflicting research around this and some people will say yeah absolutely and some people say nope definitely not so you know my personal feeling of of all the research that I've done is that it doesn't but sometimes it can be the easy option if you're watching porn rather than dealing with real life interactions with humans you know Sometimes that might lead to a bit of a problem, but we understand that it's complicated to date other humans. Sex can be complicated. Some people have traumas around sex so that, you know, watching sex on screen, it may be more of a safe option rather than interacting with a real life human. So there's so many different reasons um, why people would almost prefer to watch real life porn or porn rather than real life sex. So again, have a think about what are your reasons for watching porn and avoiding real life sex then and is that something that maybe you know you need to work through some issues with a sex therapist or a, a counsellor um, and there's no shame in that my personal belief is that everyone should be in therapy all the time because we all have our own issues about things and it's just really nice and helpful to have someone to talk things through with so if the only other things that might be an issue is if you're expecting porn to be like real life sex then that's your issue so if you're what if you've watched so much porn that you think this is what sex is actually like and then you tr- you're trying to blindly apply that to real life sex life you're really going to be disappointed and you're going to disappoint yourself and your sexual partner as well because they're trying to match up to a standard that porn stars are setting and porn stars are professionals you know they're they're basically professional athletes and you know like we said in the earlier segment they're they're well prepared for hours and if not days for certain scenes and the rest of us you know people outside of porn don't live like that so and we're not we might not have the same kind of stamina we might not have the same flexibility and we might not have the same interest in in certain activities as well so we need we need to be very conscious of porn is not real life and it's not going to be directly translatable to real life sex okay so let's look at another one can sex every day cause less interest in it overall no not necessarily um sex and masturbating is really good for your health it's really good for lowering your blood pressure for helping you sleep better for um making you happy (laughs) you know it releases endorphins in your brain um it's also it's just generally really good like for good skin as well it can you know kind of give you a nice healthy rosy glow so cheaper for your skincare routine um it absolutely doesn't and you know it's really important to recognize that sex really changes over your course of your life and from month to month or day to day so there might be times in in a month where you're absolutely obsessed with sex and you want to have a 10 times a day and then there might be times when you're not interested at all and you might have it all week or all month or even all year and that that's really influenced by so many different things you know if you have a menstrual cycle you'll have different points of the month where you have no interest in sex and other times when you're absolutely gagging for it and and you know you want to have sex all day every day it all, it's also impacted by your tiredness levels and um, stress levels so it's kind of a, a weird thing where 
sex is a great stress reliever, but sometimes we're so stressed we can't have sex. So it's like a bit of a vicious circle around that. Um, so it, it kind of really, you know, it depends on you. It's a very, everything to do with sex is very individual. It's very much depending on you and your circumstances um, and, you know, what's actually going on with you and your body as well. So try not to compare yourself to anyone. So what's normal for you is, is different for someone else, but that's okay. So again, you know, there's no such thing as like getting addicted to your sex toys or anything like that. That's kind of a bit of an urban myth. Um, and if you're having sex every day, once you're having it safe, once it's consensual sex, knock yourself out. Happy days. Uh, my next question here, does masturbating while you're in a relationship mean that you're not attracted to your partner? Absolutely not. And masturbation is an inactivity just for single people. You absolutely should keep masturbating while you're in a relationship because self-pleasure is so important. But it also helps you communicate your needs to your partner. So if you're saying you know, oh, I like, if you, if you're, the way you masturbate is a, is a specific way, say, you can then communicate that to your partner and say, well, actually, okay, this is how I get off. This is how I like to use this particular toy. This is how I'd like you to use your hands. This is how I'd like you to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is that you're interested in. So absolutely keep masturbating, masturbate as much as, as, as you like. It's, again, it's really good for your health. Um, and it's just, life is short, like have some orgasms. It's fun and it's free and we're all living in very stressful times at the moment, you know, in a pandemic. And one way to stress relief is to masturbate and have some orgasms. So, you know, there's absolutely no shame or stigma in that. So whatever your relationship status is, the relationship that you have with your body and that what you have with, your, with pleasure is the most important one before you add in any other kind of relationships on top of that. Okay, let's go to another one. Is pubic hair normal? Absolutely. Yeah. The reason why pubic hair isn't generally shown in porn is because it's shaved off so that the camera can get even more up close and personal. So it's not the view, so to speak, isn't obscured. Now, there is a lot of porn that actually does feature pubic hair and, you know, a varying length. Sometimes it's it's fetishized and it's like super bushy, like 70 style, but that's that's very specific kind of porn. Um, it's absolutely normal. People have been doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things to their pubic hair for hundreds and hundreds of years, long before porn came along. Um, they've been shaving it off. They've been dyeing it. They've been sticking diamantes on it, all that kind of thing. The only thing that is normal when it comes to sex is what you define as normal because normal means so many different things to absolutely everybody. So there is no normal really. It's just whatever works for yourself as well. So finding pubic hair that works for yourself, like, you know, you can either do nothing or trim or fully shave or wax or whatever it is you want to do with your pubes, that's absolutely fine. If anyone shames you for having pubic hair, which is a normal part of having a human body, I don't think they're worth your time or your effort. And I don't think that they should be granted access to your your body parts because um, they're showing that they're not respecting your body. So um, yeah, jump them. <laughs> okay, next one. Um is penis size accurate in porn? We looked at that before. Yeah, like a lot of penis sizes, they're not really reflective of the average penis, which is about five to six inches erect in Ireland and a couple of inches on either side of that as well. So again, you've heard that expression, it's not the motion of the ocean. It, it's a size 
size of the boat. I'm mixing that up there. But again, it's, you know, just being penetrated isn't the be all and end all. You know, it's all the other activities around sex and using like hands and tongues and toys and all that kind of thing. It's not good sex isn't just pumping away for hours and hours it's like what's actually being done and it's by technique and skill rather than here I have a large penis um there you go so no that's it's definitely not a thing unless people are like a really you know what we call a size queen and they're really into larger penises that's fine that that's their particular thing but for the majority of people a big penis can actually be really painful because it can hit a cervix or you know, can be difficult to take in an anus or a mouth or something like that. So again, you know, literally different strokes for different folks, um, pun very much intended. Okay, my next question, um, do girls need to come to have a good time? Nobody needs to come to have a good time regardless of their gender. And sometimes, you know, again, with porn, the idea is the end goal is orgasm. And that's not always the case. You know, you don't have to have an orgasm every single time. You know, you don't have to have the type of orgasm that has you screaming and um, being peeled off the walls afterwards and after you've annoyed all your neighbours. That's fine. Um, It is nice, though, to have orgasm equity. So if basically if both of you or however many people are in the sexual encounter really want to have orgasm and that's the goal. And if one person is being consistently left without their orgasm, that's going to be pretty frustrating. So that comes down to things like communication and I suppose compassion and empathy and respect because, you know, if you're quite happy to leave someone sexually frustrated in your sexual encounter, yeah, you're not really doing sex in in a good way. You know, that's you're you're being bad at sex. So that's not what you want. You don't want to leave you want to leave happy people behind you and not disappointed, frustrated people. So, you know, and coming is different for everybody. Like we talked on earlier, it can be female ejaculation or it can be be clitoral orgasms, vaginal orgasms, nipple orgasms. There's so many different types and you can have multiple orgasms as well. So it really, it really depends. And some people that they like when they're having sex, it's not necessarily the goal of having orgasm. It's the intimacy that's really nice. So being up close and personal and the sensations that they feel and, you know, being really close and having special time with whoever you're having special time with. Um, like there's a number of medical conditions that delay orgasm a little bit or cause painful sex and they should be looked at, at into if, if that's what's going on for you. But sometimes girls don't come because their sexual partners aren't skilled in making them come and that's an issue so again that comes down to communication willingness if your partner isn't willing to let you have orgasms or make you have orgasms get rid of them life's too short for someone who doesn't care about your pleasure during sex it's not worth it Um, and you're just going to resent them over over time because what's the point of you know if they're basically just using you for glorified masturbation rather than it being a mutually satisfying experience so no don't waste your time Uh, my next question is it weird for girls not to watch porn? Absolutely not. It's not weird to watch it and it's not weird to not watch it. So again, it all depends on you. You might have moral objections, you might have cultural objections, religious objections, whatever whatever is going on for you. It might be triggering, it might be traumatizing. Whatever your reason is, 
absolutely fine so and for some people they're not very visual either you know the stereotype is that you know women like to read erotica and men like to watch porn and that might be true for some people but you know and the idea that you know men are very visual creatures it's not necessarily 100% true the same way it's not necessarily 100% true that um women aren't you know we we like to look as well you know we're the same as a lot of different genders so that's fine but again you know have a look and think about why you're not interested in watching porn um is it because you know a lot of mainstream porn it isn't very female friendly a lot of the time but maybe you might find more interest in looking at feminist porn or queer porn or solo masturbation scenes or porn that's made by small indie producers that isn't very mainstream like so again it might not be porn itself it might be the type of porn that's being watched so you know exploring that and then you know, if you have a think about that, Neo, you know what, this isn't actually for me. Absolutely fine. Not a problem. And if anyone's pressurizing you to watch porn, again, they're not worth your time or your energy. So we have next question here. Um, how long is long enough to last? So this is the thing when it comes to porn as well. Like some of the guys in porn are taking, um, you know, they're like penis injections to make themselves last longer. Viagra, of course, is a thing. Some people like the whole, you know, being pounded for a long time. For a lot of other people, that's just really sore or else it's kind of boring. Um, A lot of women don't come from penetrative sex. They need to have clitoral stimulation as well. So if someone is, you know, hammering away for a long time and it's not going to do anything for you, that's just going to get really boring after a while. So again, it's mixing things up. So I think the average amount of penetration for the average person is, I think, between a minute and three or four minutes. So it's not really long. And again, remember in porn that they're going for a few minutes and then they're cutting and they're going for a few minutes and then they're cutting, you know, so it's it's not this seamless thing that's going on for hours and hours. So and they may also ejaculate off camera and then come back on again. So you're not seeing the, the full picture as well. So again, if you're feeling like maybe you're coming too quickly, we'll just stop, do something else, then go back to it. Um, if you feel like you're going on and your partner looks kind of bored, stop and do something else, come back to it. It's not, you know, it, it's fine to do that. And we need to change that narrative of sex is, you know, foreplay, it's kissing, then it's oral sex, then it's vaginal sex. And then that's it. You know, there's so much more to sex that we can do than rather than just that kind of A plus B equals C thing again. So, you know, if, if you're struggling to last long, you, you know, you can do things like use cock rings and um, mixing up different positions. There are some people when they try positions, they can't last very long in them because they feel so good. So mixing it up and maybe save that position till the last um, when you're ready to have an orgasm, when your partner's ready as well. So, again, figuring out what works for you. Um, some people say that masturbating by yourself and kind of edging and you know, where, which edging is kind of when you're masturbating and you're not coming, but you're getting close to it, but then you stop and then you get close again, then you stop. So all those things can kind of try and help build up stamina as well. But don't compare yourself to a porn star because unless you are a porn star, you will not have a sex life like a porn star. And that's also okay. Um, Let's have a look at another one here. Um, Are some of those positions, power and pace realistic? 
Generally, no. Um, some of those positions are for athletes. Like I said, they're trained athletes. You know, when, when your job is to be flexible and look good on camera, you're in the gym a whole bunch of hours during each day, you're training for things. Um, you know, you're not seeing that person going home and having to put an ice pack on, on their neck or, you know, take a muscle therapy bath or something like this. So, that, you know, just because you're not seeing it on screen doesn't mean it's not sore, but it might get the shot for the camera. So things like the reverse cowgirl position where the woman is on top um, facing away from the guy. And again, this is very heterosexual language and stuff, but that position is actually not pleasurable for a lot of people but because it's important that gives the camera an angle of like the action you know very they're able to get in pretty close you can you can see you know the penetration up pretty pretty closely so that position isn't necessarily anything to do with anybody's pleasure but it's a way for the viewer to see the action up close and personal so if you're trying that out and you're thinking oh this isn't really satisfying that's okay because it's not really a position made to be satisfying so that's okay um the power I'm assuming by that you may you may mean like pounding and you know again some people absolutely love that some people absolutely hate it and what remember what you're seeing is people stopping and starting and stopping and starting but because it's all being edited together it looks like they're pounding for hours and then that's also the case if someone has Viagra or um, they're injecting substances into their penis to stay hard for longer. So not really. It's the short answer to that. And you also don't know, you're not seeing like the, the action stopping and then having buckets of lube applied and then the camera starting up again. So I went on a tour before of the kink.com factory when it was or studio when it was in San Francisco and they have barrels. So, you know, over here we have barrels for alcohol, the big like one meter long, um, one meter tall, big vats of, of Guinness. They have that for lube. So they just they go through like barrels in a month because it's constantly stop, start, apply lube, go again, let's go. So it's absolutely not what you're seeing. And that, that goes for the pace as well. Um, Again, they stop, take a smoke break, take a pizza break, um, go back and film again, all that kind of thing. So, it, you know, an actor could be on set for five hours and then as a result, you get a, a three to five minute clip. So you can tell from that um what you see. So if you, you think of that as like a, a a Hollywood movie as well you know they can be filmed for months it could take nine months to make a Mission Impossible film but you know in the cinema it's only going to be an hour and a half so you remember the same way that we cut and edit Hollywood films the same thing happens to porn as well and let's see do we have another question here um how long is it to last yeah we went over that do girls always come during sex like in porn again you know, there's a lot of theatrics, there's a lot of screaming and howling and all, all that kind of thing. Some people are like that, absolutely. A lot of people aren't, you know, some people are very quiet and you'd hardly notice that they had an orgasm and that's fine. And some people are super loud. And if you've ever shared a room with someone like that, you you definitely know all about it. But sometimes it's very performative. And it, it's, again, because it, it, in porn, it's easy to show a male orgasm because you know genetics and biology that like he actually ejaculates um and you see that and that's why the ejaculation is external they'll come on someone's face or or 
various body parts because that shows you that actual sexual contact has taken place and it's to show that oh this is real whereas with women it's a lot harder to depict an orgasm because we don't apart from um, ejaculation female ejaculation we don't necessarily um, give forth any body fluids and stuff so the, the markers of female orgasm are things like engaged or engorged labia and, you know, a redness on your chest and, and different kinds of breathing. Apparently your nose shape changes when you have an orgasm. Um, but that's all pretty hard to pick up on a camera. So sometimes then at that moment, you know, and even if it's a real orgasm, sometimes they're fake, they're exaggerated. And again, it's for the camera it's it's trying to prove that pleasure is there and this is the best thing in the world and they're having the best time absolutely because you're they're selling a performance and they're selling an act and a persona and you know they're wanting you to think she has a great time um this is awesome I'm gonna buy more of her stuff so again you have to you have to bear that in mind so um so for some people who don't come like that they might feel intimidated or feel that they have to make noise and that's okay you absolutely don't you can you can have a tiny tiny bit of noise or you can have no noise or whatever um just talk about it with your partner because if they're expecting you to be screaming like a banshee and that's just not your thing they might feel oh I'm actually not satisfying this person whereas you might be completely satisfied so again just communicating and and saying hey this is what sex like look this is what sex looks like for me what does it look like for you so that kind of thing and then my last question do all lads look at porn I think a lot of people regardless of gender look at porn because you know we're curious beings we're visual beings we like sex, you know, you're listening to a podcast about sex, so you definitely like it. Well, sex and porn. Um, the issue, I suppose, comes to it when, again, when we don't have porn literacy and we're thinking what we're seeing is absolutely real and we can just seamlessly recreate that in the bedroom. Um, a lot of people don't look at porn or a lot of people might think, uh, I don't like the mainstream kind of porn because it, it, it's violent or aggressive or whatever it happens to be, but they might find other forms of porn. And a lot of girls will stereotypically um, talk amongst themselves about their sex life, whereas a lot of guys don't do that sometimes and they may not talk with their friends about what they like about sex so therefore they will go to porn to try and learn about sex and that's not necessarily the healthiest thing in the world to do so having sexual con- conversations with your friends is a good thing you know once it evolves a bit more past oh I banged so and so last night you know the conversation should be like well did you make them happy did you give them an orgasm you know was it good sex what can you do to improve your sex life that kind of thing um and and just kind of having more authentic conversations so I'm all for like banishing shame and stigma from the bedroom so that's basically me for today and thank you so much for listening I was hoping to do this in person but the joys of COVID means we can't but hopefully next semester or next year I'll be down on campus and we can ask away all these questions again so thank you so much for your time I wish you all the best with college life and just remember to keep things consensual and fun and drop me a line on the social media channels it's Glow West podcast or have a look at the podcast if you want to ask me any questions so I've no shame or stigma I'm not going to judge you for anything so yeah have fun and I'll chat to you later well I'm afraid that's all we have time for a huge thank you to Caroline for taking the time to provide us with this very valuable and frankly necessary information today I'm sure it'll be put to very good use and remember if you need anything from myself you can get in touch with me on suwelfareitcarlo.e thanks very much